0: Welcome to Opening the Door podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Sarah. Sarah is a Christian witch and an author. I was so excited to have her on because Christian witchcraft is something that we haven't really covered on the podcast yet. We've talked a little bit about Christianity here and there. We've talked about witchcraft in a few different episodes, but none of the two combined. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. Sarah brings a really fresh perspective to Christianity combined with witchcraft and I really enjoy learning more from her about it. Enjoy! Today we're welcoming Sarah to Opening the Door. Sarah Rastresen is a Slovenian-American writer and Christian Witch. She's working with the Order of St. Hildegard to become a certified chaplain and her work in virtual spiritual ministry and education serves people who want to connect to their God in a more honest, direct, and empowering way. Sarah also writes educational books and fantasy books as well as provides classes, services, mentorship, and other content, all of which can be found on her website. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. yeah. Thanks again for having me. Really excited to talk about all these kinds of things. Yeah, so excited to chat with you. Witchcraft has been something that we have, you know, had guests on for the past, but we've never had somebody who identifies as a Christian witch. So I'm really excited to hear more about this, your point of view, and also about all the other amazing stuff that you do. So can you, let's first start with just your spiritual journey. Where did your spiritual journey start for you?
1: Yeah, so honestly, it is kind of funny um, with the fantasy book stuff because I feel like my interest in witchcraft to begin with was very much tied with my love of like all things fantasy and like Dungeons and Dragons and like, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up watching Naruto and all these other kinds of shows. So I was very much enamored with the idea that you could have some kind of magic power or like you could be a wizard or something that was just from when I was like six and older. But which, OK, well, as we say that now we're going to we're going to accidentally give fodder to everyone who's like, see, Harry Potter leads you to witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, no. But um, but no, I mean, it's for a kid to tell them that like this kind of stuff is potentially real. That's like Christmas times 800. Right. Just to be told that, hey, actually, there is some concept of magic out here in the world. The problem is when I was like eight at this point on the Internet by myself. I encountered spells of magic.com, which had like the most weird spells to like speed up time or like call his rank. Eight-year-old me was all about it. I was writing him down in my notebook. I was like, this is awesome. That's but you amazing. know, <laughs> it was so much fun. I mean, if for nothing else, it's good to like kids have an imagination and run around outside and all those things. So like no harm, no foul. But eventually as I kept, you know, learning about it, I realized, oh, well, magic, okay. Magic doesn't really work that way. Like I can't just kind of abracadabra things into existence, or like move things with my mind as much as I would have liked to. And so I discovered Wicca, and I started learning more about that. And the way that they used magic, the way they described it was interesting, but the religion itself like didn't really make sense to me. As someone who grew up Catholic, as someone who, you know, never had a problem with God, just with the people who claimed to follow him, I was very much disenchanted with Wicca especially because at that time, like, and we're talking at least 15 years ago now, they seemed to talk like you had to be Wiccan to be a witch. And that, I just, nothing about it made sense to me, didn't feel right, I didn't like it. And it was at this point, within the next couple of years, that I would try to look it up in Christian spaces, everyone would say it's bad. But when you listen to Wiccans who are just putting basil, like, in their soup for prosperity... I literally, I remember like just praying and looking God basically right in the face. And I was like, what is the problem with this? Like, what actually is your problem to God? (laughs) And so at that point, I remember getting this. It was like a, like a tightness in my gut where it was just like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And then I ended up finding that, oh, wait a minute. No, actually there is a lot of compatibility with Christian magic. And like this concept of witchcraft, like Christian magic exists And it's a very big thing. It's an old thing, right? Like, I mean, if we go back to the 1500s, Henry Cornelius Agrippa was out here writing these books about Christian magic and all these other things. Like, this is not new by any means. And so, the more I researched and the more I got into it, the more it just became like almost a crusade for me in a way, because I was like, "You guys, you are you are literally just focusing on the Bible, but refusing to actually listen to God, like directly, and like you are all acting like such a mess." all of this homophobia, all this racism, all this terrible stuff, like what is this? So as I got older, it became very much entwined with like social justice for me. It became very much entwined with like actually following Christ and what Christ was saying. And it became really about just like, you know, owning the power that God gave you as a being made in his image. When people say nothing has power but God, it's like, but he made all of us and he made us powerful too. Not as powerful as God, sure. Like I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to fight God and win, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like in in my opinion, our power is still like everyone says. Oh no, you're saying you have power outside God? No. If God made me, my power is His power. It's all one system. So like, it's just a way of working together. If He gave me a brain for mental problems, all right, like problem solving things. If He gave me muscles for physical problems, He gave me magic for spiritual ones. To me, it just makes sense.
0: Oh, I love that. That is so cool. Yeah, I I love what you said about Christianity and witchcraft having some similarities. Because I think when you hear the phrase Christian and you hear the phrase witch, it almost sounds like um, like two completely separate things. Like you said, throughout history, I think we've sort of seen this mainstream idea that Christianity is against witchcraft um, or that they can't go together at all. So, and you spoke to that a little bit. But can you speak to that a little bit more and your definition of what a Christian witch is and how those two things can go together?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, actually, um, I have a book up here that's kind of going to lead into this point, which I mean, my whole desk right now looks like wizard in the high tower level. I have books and books <laughs> just stacked everywhere. But oh, I love um, that. It's 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 nice aesthetic, but it does not work for actual organizationally. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, actually, so the word witch in the history of it is very interesting. Uh, so this book is called Styrian Witches in European Perspective uh, by Miriam Mensay, who is a Slovenian ethnographer. And this book really details why the word Christian witch is so confusing for people, because a lot of people still think of witches as what they were described as in this book. This is actually um, like real people's accounts in rural Slovenia in Styria about like what witches are and what they do. And so these witches that people are saying to this day still are putting curses on people. They're the kinds of people who could steal the milk right out of a cow by milking a rope. So even though she had no cow, she'd have buckets of milk and your neighbor would have none. And she was the kind of person who would cause hail and just ruin the fields. She's the kind of person who would cause disease or strife or all these other kinds of things. That's what witchcraft meant to people. It meant specifically this harmful, community-threatening, dangerous stuff that was outside of the bounds of social order and control. Granted, of course, there were a lot of people who got caught up in this, like just plain old herbalists. They got stuck in that crossfire. But for the most part, witchcraft specifically meant bad stuff. And if you actually look at any of the words in the Bible, like the hebrew and the greek that specifically reference magic and all of these famous uh clobber verses as i like to call them people use them on me all the time and i'm like do you know what that bird is they specifically reference like dark magic demons poisoning drug abuse fraud like specifically tricking people out of money um all that kind of stuff so that was what it was then and one thing we can give credit to wicca for is how they've changed the interpretation of this word through Wicca, the word witchcraft has, in my opinion, really just meant anyone who knows their way around a spice cabinet and, and <laughs> like, anyone who likes shiny things and who believes that the world the world around them is there to help them, right? Uh, so for me, it's a lot of animism. It's a lot of believing that everything God made, be it the grass, uh, the rocks, the trees, that all of it has its own special talents and its own special power that it can help you with something. Um, for me, it's just about knowing that you have the ability to defend yourself so for instance if you look at evangelical uh psyche a lot of them are so obsessed with demons they're so obsessed with spiritual warfare and gotta oh my god we gotta defend ourselves and it's like i don't have these anxieties because i have faith in the power god gave me i have faith in my magic and that it is strong enough to handle this nonsense and if it really is a big problem that god is just one prayer away there's no reason for me to be so worried about demons or, oh no, the devil. It It is absolutely of no bearing to me. So I think a witch is someone who's confident in her own power and who understands that the world around her
0: is really there for her to use, but also there for her to respect and take care of. Wow. I absolutely love that. And the other thing that you mentioned sort of when you were talking about your journey that I really enjoyed, which I think is, is and you can totally correct me if I'm looking perspective wise, looking at it differently, but The fact that you said like you have magic from God and I think a lot of Christianity sort of observes that kind of like you said God is the only one with that sort of like magic or power or whatever you want to call it. So I just love the idea that because I think that's a lot of what witchcraft is recognizing your own power and working within that. So just wanted to mention that I love marrying the two because it's it's hard to find a duality of these two things. I think in uh, modern Christianity and evangelicalism, um, and so I just love I love that you were able to find that. And I'm wondering, can you sort of describe what it was like? You said you grew up Catholic, so can you describe what it was like to feel within this time moving through and like finding witchcraft and marrying these two ideas? What what did you feel like? Did you feel excited? Did you feel fear? Like, what were some of the emotions that you were going through? oh god
1: <laughs> honestly for me like the philosophy of magic is something that is always evolving for me uh, so for instance like you know we could say we have our own power um and we absolutely do but recently uh through you know channeling spirits like saint paul like saint paul the apostle through channeling others like saint cyprian of Antioch or the archangel raziel uh for me like you know meditating with these energies and these beings it has shown me that Christian magic is very interesting because, yes, we have some of our own, but the main purpose of it is actually to hook up to God, basically. And that's why people, uh, they kind of get, like, they're not entirely wrong, but they're not entirely right when they say God's the only one power, because, yeah, you can do some things by yourself, but the real power comes from what you hook up to God. And just channel it down like those blessings so it's kind of like a two double a batteries versus like the entire electric grid so you know th- there's some power but like you'll get a lot more if you if you do these things this way um and you can see that in the bible where you've got people like simon the Magus, who's doing all these things and everyone's like wow he's the blessed one sent by god and then the apostles roll up and they just smoke him out of the water with their magic to the point that he's trying to pay them money to get their secrets Right, like in Acts, like that was probably one of my favorite stories. Um, But that's a classic example of human magic, strong. God's magic, insane. Um, But (laughs) when I was young, I was trying to think about this. I had a really hard time understanding that. And so it was only recently that I finally like finally it clicked and it made sense to me now. But um, And I think this is something that a lot of witches do, they kind of get wrong. They assume that without a certain stone or without a certain herb, that they just can't do any magic. Um, but it's others like Damien Equals and other really celebrated magicians who will tell you that you know a magician should be able to be like dropped naked in the jungle and still do completely powerful magic. Um, it's not about it's not about stones, it's not about herbs. Those are focusing tools, and they can definitely help. But when you outsource your power to stones and herbs you still end up in the same spot where you are spiraling your confidence is none your actual magic just stays inert because you're not actually accessing it Um, and so for me I was like always kind of trying to figure out where is my magic really coming from especially as I was a teenager right now I was just getting into these philosophies where is the actual power coming from and who owns it and who operates it so it was kind of scary and even then I have always been afraid of the dark too for instance so like I was always very much afraid that I was going to get attacked by some spirit or something and eventually I came to understand like how to, you know, make those little energy shields, how to do these things and so now I'm at the point where I really don't care if I feel something in my house that is uh shouldn't be there. I just turn around and I'm like, "Can I help you? If not, you need to go." Like for me it's that, it's that, it's that confidence, I guess. I definitely started out scared, especially cuz, you know, you're learning that, "Oh yeah, uh, demons and spirits are real," and that's kind of scary. But then once you actually engage with them a little bit and you realize what they are and who they are and what they want, it's just, I don't know. It's like seeing a
0: guy in the street. It's not really a big deal anymore. Definitely an evolution to move through, right? Like it can start off. Yeah. You kind of realize this stuff is real and and it's, It has that feeling, right? It's exciting because yeah, like I was a Harry Potter kid too. And it's like realizing magic and like all this sort of unseen stuff can be kind of true is really exciting. And then, yeah, you sort of dive in and you get that feeling of like, oh, wait, (laughs) you know? And then, yeah, I love the confidence that comes after. So one thing that you've referenced throughout this conversation so far is Christian magic. And I'm wondering, can you describe the difference between um, like sort of specifically Christian magic and then any other- like magic that somebody might be practicing that we've seen throughout history or modern day
1: yeah so even in antiquity the main difference between like magic and miracle ever oh my god these semantics people do with magic and miracle drives me insane but the difference between christian magic and literally any other magic is only the god that you are trying to invoke so for christians we are invoking god jesus the holy spirit anyone else like a hellenic Which is going to invoke the Greek gods, a Norse witch is going to invoke the Norse gods, and that's really the only difference. Now, this can enter into a whole theological battle of whose god is stronger and, like, whose god's going to cage-match the other gods, but, like, (laughs) it's... That, I really don't care about that discussion. For me, the only difference in magic is who you're doing it with, if anyone. That's the only... Like, I think saw that witches with gods to work with will probably have a little bit or maybe even a lot of bit more oomph than if they're working just by themselves. Even if they just incorporate like a land spirit from a tree in their yard, it's going to help because like two heads are better than one. But it really just entirely depends on who you're working with, what you're channeling to get the power.
0: Mm, okay, interesting. So that sort of leads me to a question, which is, you know, like obviously within Christianity, we see a lot of one the one true God is Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. So what what's your take on, yeah, like craft or other people, like a worshiping a pantheon of gods, like what are your, what's your take on which God is the God? I'm not saying you believe there is just one, um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Uh, I actually identify, I guess, more as a henotheist. Like I'm not a monotheist or in the sense that only one God exists to me. I think it's really stupid to sit there and say that my invisible God exists, but no one else's invisible God exists. That never made sense to me. For me, say either a henotheism or a monolatry, which is kind of the idea that all gods exist, but only one is really the top and the most powerful. So for me, my God is the one on top. My God is the one that created all things, um, and including other gods, which if people disagree, that's fine. I'm not really like, I'm not on a mission to prove that, nor do I care if other people disagree or not. For me, that's just what makes sense. But um, especially, you know, in the Bible, it's like God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and like all these other things. So it just makes sense to me. Um, and I see it almost like, like you have McDonald's franchises and you've got God who's the CEO. And then you've got each pantheon that's kind of like the Chinese McDonald's and the Irish McDonald's and, you know, all these kinds of things. So they're their own thing going on, they're their own work they're doing. And the CEO just kind of sits there and manages.
0: Gotcha. What about what about how your family perceived this as you moved through Christian witchcraft and getting into your witchcraft practice? How has your family received? Have they been open to this change in you or how has that been for you? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, well, so, you know, again, I grew up Catholic, but my mom and my
1: dad, they weren't like crazy about religion. For my mama was more about tradition really than anything else Um, you know because Slovenia is a very Catholic country and it's a lot of a lot of the culture tied in there but you know they never really cared about Harry Potter when I told them like my boyfriend for instance his mom thought Pokemon were demons my parents thought she was crazy and was like okay uh, cool uh, anyway but when it came to actual witchcraft they they kind of got caught up in the same stigma that everyone else does right they were like oh no you're summoning demons, right? Because I had an episode of sleep paralysis. Mm. And as I'm just starting to learn about spirits and stuff, when you get sleep paralysis, it's like, oh no. (laughs) So the weird hallucinations seem a lot like demons. But so my mom thought I was summoning demons with like basil. I don't don't know how. And I was really (laughs) trying to explain to her, I'm like, mom, there's no demons involved in making a, a cup of tea, dude, but she wouldn't have it. So it was like when I was 14, we had this huge blowout. Um, but eventually I I did kind of I did kind of tell her, I was like, well, listen, so long as I have access to the internet, you're not gonna stop me. You can break my mortar and pestle and you can take my book and you can do whatever you want. i'm you're not gonna stop me. Um so eventually uh my parents kind of had no choice but to kind of listen and you learn about it. And now they're totally fine with it. Now they're more than fine with it. They're like my mom was like, as long as you still believe in God, that's really all I care about. So whatever. Um, and if anything, we talk about religion all the time. And they're kind of like, I don't know if I believe you're actually doing this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's religion, you know, like that's, that's, is what we're dealing with here. So you can believe it or not. Um, although my dad himself has had very interestingly, like prophetic level of dreams that had me like, how are you going to tell me you don't believe in this when you just told me the most insanely vivid, like God spoke to you directly dream. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> things like that, but yeah, no, now, now they're totally fine. They don't really know how to explain it. Even if I try to tell them how to explain it, <laughs> but they
0: try. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to your story. Parents finding out that or not finding out or realizing that their children are moving in a different direction or doing something different with their tea, you know, can it's, Mm. you know, tough for parents to reconcile that, but I'm glad that yours got on board. I, yeah, I've had some, somebody tell me just based off the prophetic dream thing, you just said, he was like, Oh, my car got stolen. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. blah. Well, well, he's like, it's just so weird because I I had a dream the the night it happened that I lost my keys and somebody took my car. But like, he's, he is not in this space at all, but, and, and he wouldn't, he would probably never admit that it was a prophetic dream for him, but it was, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me wonder, like what ancestor was knocking on his door? Like, Hey, your car. I know, getting... dude, it's happening
0: <laughs> right now. <laughs> and he's just like, wow, that was weird. Oh no. Where'd it go? I know. <laughs> So funny. Yeah. So what are some of your daily or monthly, weekly, whatever you you know feel called to talk about? What are some of your Christian witchcraft routines that you uh like to get into?
1: Yeah. So actually um I really have a philosophy of don't use magic unless you really need to. Like um, I I get a lot of actual magical philosophy from fantasy books too. So uh in case of like the Wizard of Earthsea, like the first book of Earthsea series. There's this whole thing where the mentor is taking the main character on this quest to learn magic, and the main character is pissed off because they're doing anything but magic, right? They're building tents and putting a fire together and catching fish. And he's like, what the hell does this have to do with magic? And the mentor is like, you have to learn how to use your own hands before you touch magic, okay? Like, you have to be self-sufficient first. And for me, I think that's something a lot of especially young witches uh, really need to pay attention to is there is a mundane answer for pretty much everything. Magic is when things are really, really, really bad or like really out of control and there's no actions you can see to take to rectify the situation. That's where i use magic. So like if I really want to cut off a relationship with someone, I will do a cord cutting. If there's someone who no matter what we do blocking them on Facebook or whatever, keeps harassing my friends or my family, you're going in a jar and you're going in the ground. Like, (laughs) that's all there is to it. But also, like, I'm a kitchen witch, so I really, I don't have the time or attention or patience for big, ornate rituals. So I'll just, while I'm cooking, you know, I will bless the food, basically, to do whatever it is that I want to do. Um, I also kind of try to do, like, one daily tarot pull I try to you know, connect with God every day and ask him what he thinks I need to do. I'll do like moon rituals where like, I just kind of focus on what I want to get out of a new moon or where I think about what I want to harvest from a full moon. And that's really it. Otherwise, it's mostly just a lot of reading and learning and, and talking.
0: I think it's really important, the idea of, and, and I agree with what you said, even with using uh, any type of divination tool, uh, mediumship, psychic work, with yeah like checking in every single day to that stuff is is a lot you know and it can feel really you can get bogged down in it I think mm-hmm. in, in trying to get into a ritual and a routine every day of doing that stuff but yeah like checking in with your guides or your god or yourself a higher self in a meditation like I love that but if you're pulling like or you, you're using your pendulum every day to see which route you need to take to work or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no. some, like yeah, let's, let's pull back a little bit from that, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's
1: definitely, there's definitely moments where like things like divination can get obsessive. I feel like where people are, or they're not thinking anymore for themselves and they're just completely outsourcing all of their decision-making. Um, At that point, like for me, it's very much, we get back to that classic line that God helps those who help themselves. So it's like you you do need to still operate the brain a little bit on your own. You can't ask God to make every decision for you. Um, yeah. But you know, for me, it's like those one terribles. So I'm like, God, what what what's what are we focusing on today? And He'll usually give me like a right hook to the face, and He's just like, Well, uh, you need to focus on being less uh, anxious and ridiculous all the time. And I'll be like, Fair, fair, G, all right. <laughs> but like, <laughs> He, this is and this is the thing with God. I don't know how it is for people with like other deities but i feel like the difference between people who say they worship god but i've never actually met him and people who have met god is like we all know that god will absolutely put a wrecking ball through your wall like at first opportunity especially if you're not listening he will absolutely do it even with my readings for other people like i have my certain signs and tells and intuition sensors for when the right card is but they just get like way more intense when I I realized someone has not been listening to the message like I just did one actually last night where they were flying out of my deck and like I was really getting this intense like ringing in my ear for certain cards and I'm like I don't know what you did or did not do but this was really intense and then my client was like yeah I've been ignoring that for a little because I didn't want to think about I'm like you can't do that with God (laughs) you really can't you really can't (laughs) So I was like, no, I just got smacked on his way to smack you. Like, (laughs) please. So, um, but yeah, no. And like, honestly, on the topic of divination, this is something that Christians get so confused about. (laughs) They get so confused about divination because there are so many things in the Bible that are like, oh, no divination. But the original words of all of these types of divination have to do specifically with like necromantic practices. Like Oven Yidoani is this thing where you put a bone of an animal or something in your mouth you get wicked high on incense and then you try to channel the spirit to literally physically use your tongue to deliver a message so like you're trying to channel a random little ghosty of something and god's like that's stupid ask me like um so that's like basically the extent of what divination is banned. is when you're trying to rip like livers out of live goats because that's tragic and sad or when you are trying to contact like ghosts or ancestors or random demons for answers that god literally already has but they also think divination is just trying to see the future and only the future and for me like divination just means communication like divination is the receiving whereas prayer is the, the asking right so and you know people say you don't need tarot cards. You don't it's like, yeah, I don't need them. I could just directly channel everything, but that's hard. Sometimes I'm tired and I tend to space out. So if I can look down and remember what we're talking about with the cards right under me, it makes it a lot easier than trying to like have a whole hour long trip session where I'm trying to see things that God's trying to show me. That's that's really hard.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. I I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually just divination tools in general. Like I have an Oracle deck that I've just really loved using and feel like my intuition flows really well through it. And I get a lot of messages through it and I'm like, Oh, like, should I just be using myself to, you know, divine messages through as a conduit, obviously not myself, but using myself as the receiver. And I think you're right. Yeah. It takes, it's a lot of it takes a lot of energy to do that. So yeah, having something and, and like you said earlier with herbs or any other focusing tool that you have to focus your energy, I think can be really helpful. Yeah. There was something else that you, it'll come back to me. Something else that you said that, Oh yeah. The difference between worshiping a God, let's just say God in this interview, worshiping God and like connecting or meeting or conversing with God are two completely different things. And I honestly, like somehow didn't even think of that until you said that, but it is so true. Like you go to church, kneel, say the Lord's prayer and that's worshiping. Right. Mm -hmm. But have you met and spoken with and understood? Yeah. I think those are two, I mean, they're two different ballparks completely. Right. So how do you perceive God? Like what is God, what is God like to you?
1: (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at all these questions. I just like, Every time I think about God, I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> <Like, laughs> because it's, you know, we, so I still follow the triune theory where like Jesus and God and the Holy spirit are all like different facets of one being. And like, it's so weird. Like there's separate consciousnesses that can experience each other, but they're all part of the same like system. It's very strange, but it's really cool. But for me, it's like, Jesus is absolutely like, I imagine him with like the man bun and like the kind of beard and like the hipster hosier kind of outfit because he just has that vibe. Um, He absolutely will flip out in in a second. Like he goes from zero to a hundred. God is always at a hundred. I don't think there's any time where God is not at a hundred. The Holy Spirit is at like, like, I think like Chokmah in Hebrew, like a feminine wisdom. So that's the more feminine side of God and the more gentle side of God. But God himself to me is just constant, like doom soundtrack. He's always wicked intense. And he's always like, you will do this thing because I told Mm -hmm. you to do it. Um, And actually I do work with other spirits like Lucifer, for instance, right? And there's a big difference between how Lucifer and God approach your questions. So if you ask God a question, what should I do about this? He will tell you like a very bulleted detailed list of here's what you need to do. Lucifer will be like, I don't know. What do you think you need to do? What do you want to do? what do you think about that? And it's like, I wouldn't ask you if I knew, <laughs> like I wouldn't ask you if I knew what, but God's very much like, oh um, yeah, here's the itinerary. Here's what we're going to do. What you thought you were going to do? No, get that out of here. We're doing this now. So like, it's very different, like almost like parenting styles, I guess.
0: Yeah. Very that's weird. so interesting. What? So Lucifer, obviously Bible wise or in like modern day uh, Christianity kind of separates lucifer as uh like the devil or hell or like that type of thing so how did you get into working with the duality and like what do you think god's your god's perspective is on that
1: so for like a while i mean i remember watching like the show on netflix the lucifer show and i was like you know if the devil were like that i could vibe with it but obviously that's a little goofier than i think uh lucifer actually is but for me, I, was, I remember thinking, like, what if they're all just in on it? Like, what if this is all just one big thing that they're playing here and they're both just playing parts? And it's kind of more or less correct from what I've understood. Um, And also on top of that, Lucifer is a title. Lucifer isn't actually a name uh, unless you're talking about specifically like the Roman god Lucifer, which means like the Morning Star. But Lucifer in Catholicism is a title for what I think is the fallen angel Samael. The thing about Samael, though, is that even fallen, not fallen, doesn't matter. He is still an aspect of God. To me, angels are aspects because their names, like, they all have those meanings, right? Michael is he who is like God. Uh, Raphael is God is my healing. Samael is the venom of God. And I think he's the one that does God's dirty work a lot. He's like that angel that just goes and decimates things. Like, you think of the firstborn in Egypt? I think that was Samael just cutting through it with Uriel kind of like, not all of them, just these houses don't kill everybody. But, you know, Samael kind of, he takes out what needs to be taken out. And he's not, he's not mean, but he is very cutthroat. But that's an aspect of God. The venom of God is an aspect of God. If you look at Psalm 109, that's like spiritual napalm. That's like insanely destructive counter curse magic. So like, god has the ability to absolutely destroy all and that's present when you look at these this duality right god's not all roses and bunnies i don't think he's ever been roses and bunnies to be honest
0: so cool wow thank you for that perspective i just think that is so fascinating and so in your bio you talk a little bit about you know helping people sort of connect with their god more directly what are some ways that people can do that
1: for me i mean like when i start my like tarot sessions i always start with the lord's prayer just to kind of set the zone But it really is just kind of learning a divination method. A lot of people say, oh, God doesn't answer me. God doesn't hear me. But then like, they're just doing the same repetitive prayers. They're just looking at the Bible, expecting it to just say something different than it ever said. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you can't, it's not that God's ignoring you. It's that you are not paying attention. You don't know how to pay attention. So I'm trying to teach people like, Learn how to develop your intuition. Learn how to recognize signs that God is trying to talk to you. Learn how to use these tools until you are capable of actually meditating and seeing these things. And sometimes, you know, God doesn't want to talk. I've had that happen to me where God's like, I I don't want to talk to you right now. Go talk to this guy. So that's happened. And I've been like, are you? And I I had a whole melt. I was like, are you abandoning me? And God's like, Literally, just not today. Go over here for one day. Oh my God. Like, you know, it's like (laughs) he was like, he was like, settle down, relax. But no, sometimes, you know, God doesn't want to talk. Sometimes he's busy. Sometimes he knows that whatever you're going to tell him is not worth talking about because you've already asked him 18 times the same question. Sometimes God will literally just stop answering me all, like, ask the same question the third time. And I will lose all sense of like signs that I normally get. And I'm like, are you not answering? Cause I've already asked this. And then I get like a massive ringing and he's just like, pay attention. So it's hard to talk to God sometimes because he is very blunt and he's very direct, but I show people like how to use the tools to actually get there, how to develop their intuition, how to reach out to God properly, right. With like the prayers and all these kinds of things, uh, what kind of offerings you can give if you want to so on and so forth. Um, but it's like it's not hard to, again, it's not hard to get in contact with him. It's just hard to talk to him because he's so direct and so like not sparing of your feelings. Mm, right. He really yeah. doesn't
0: so like, you know. Yeah. So cool. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit because I do want to talk about your writing because it's just such a cool, you know, you kind of write in this two different two different worlds, right? So we can talk about your fantasy books first. Can you Speak a little bit to your creative process and how you nurture ideas into book form.
1: Uh, Yeah, so my debut novel is called The Glass Witch, and it is a story that really was born of my kind of cultural experience. So being born in America, but having a Slovenian mom was like off the boat from there. I was very much one foot in two worlds. And so I had this, this idea for this story that was very much the same and my creative process is just thinking of like certain characters or certain magic systems or certain functions of a world. So for instance in the glass witch, um there are four countries and each one is a season and the seasons only move when the kings do. So it's kind of like every 3 months the kings will switch to a different country. And the problem is that the king of winter has stopped moving because of a really bad tragedy caused by summer because the people of winter are made out of ice. And they can handle being, uh, you know, without food or anything because they don't need to eat and they're, they're all happy in winter. Everyone else needs food, needs winter to come and restart the cycle. So they're having a problem because how are we going to grow food without the whole cycle? Um, but so the main character is kind of has the same experience as I do where she's got one foot in two worlds. She's half summer, half winter. She doesn't feel like she really belongs in any one spot, but she's trying her best. Um, and so it's really just a lot of letting the characters go and seeing what they do. Like for me, I plot to an extent, but I want the characters to act in ways that one would reasonably act if they were that kind of person. And so that's how it ends up that way. But um, a lot of times it's just, you know, I listen to a song and I get an idea. I have certain themes or like ideas or things I've explored that I wanna talk about. Like I have another idea where Lucifer and Michael work together to help the main character on a quest. So, that one, probably upcoming. I write about, uh, you know, my other parts of my heritage. I, like, I have a historical fantasy going on. So there's, like, an endless treasure trove of ideas, and it really just comes down to figuring out what the themes are, what I'm trying to say, uh, how to say it in a way that doesn't shove it down your throat, things like that, you know, because I don't like, I do not like books where, like, you could just take one sentence and print it over and over again because they're just beating the moral in your head I I do not like those even if I agree with the moral it's just annoying Mm,
0: yeah I agree with that I like it to be subtle I like I like to be able to sort of dig and and find it myself or something not find it myself but uh realize it myself maybe yeah yeah
1: and like you know come to your own conclusions about it rather than just being like very forcibly handed this thing you're supposed to think about it like
0: yeah yeah Do you feel like you get help from God or spirit or any like or your guides or anything like when you write? I wouldn't say that like they directly tell
1: me what to write or anything. But I do think that, you know, the more I read the Bible, the more I read about demons, the more I read about all these things, the more I can just understand how these plot elements that I'm thinking of would actually work. Um, So like I have this whole Messiah story planned out and looking at the structure of the Gospels and like the main themes helps me understand how to structure this story. But of course, the story is not like a weird preachy story. It's like a 1930s-esque kind of like everyone's having a moment kind of story, but it's Messiah style and there's a Messiah yeah. character. So I like, to, I like to play with tropes. I like to turn them on their heads. So this Messiah character is this like pasty shadow kind of dark magic guy with the black book. So he's unparalleling a Messiah character with devil imagery to be fancy and subversive, you know, but it's fun. I I like that aesthetic, but (laughs) so, you know, I just, I just have fun. I just have fun that I write what makes me happy. And that's really, that's really what it boils down to is things that make me happy and things that say the things that are just kind of boring when I say them
0: plainly. I love that. I think that is so, so cool. You have a book coming out about Christian witchcraft. What inspired you to write that? And like, what has your process for writing that book been like?
1: Yeah, so this book, honestly, um, I had been thinking about it for a while, but I wasn't sure how to do it. And then one of my other friends, who's a Christian, which approached and was like, "We need like a, a guide, like a manual, like mostly because every single day on TikTok, on Instagram, I'm getting comments, I'm getting messages, I'm like, how, what, is, what about this? What is this? What is that? I get the same question repeatedly. So that's why I made my you know ten week course, which is like an intro course, and also why I'm writing this book. So this this book is really just all the answers to these really common questions like the bible says oh deuteronomy says this what about what about deuteronomy what about exodus and like so the first part of the book covers here's the reason magic can happen in christianity and like the rest is like find your culture find your heritage find your your traditions and all these other things um and so the the process for this has been a lot of reading first i think i spent a good three months just trying to read as much as I could. And like some of my books are just so stuffed with little sticky note things. It's ridiculous. But so that was just reading. And then the problem is as I write, I then have to go find more resources. Like I have enough to start writing. But then as I'm as I'm going, I have to stop, find other things to look at and all these other pieces. So now I feel like I'm drowning in information. And to save everyone else the time of having to pour through like extremely old philosophical texts. This is what this is trying to do. I'm just trying to take all of this stuff that I learned and put it there, so people can have a really solid, academic, like researched book. Because there are a lot of Christian witch books that are just kind of more memoir than anything. Like they don't Mm -hmm. actually go over a biblical defense. They don't go over a cultural or historical overview. They just say, "Well, this is my experience," which is great. But if you're like me and you want to know actually like justified why this works, you you need the academia.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. There's something in me that really needs not proof, but just sort of like a handbook, just something that's really going to tell me like if this then that. I, I really like stuff like obviously I can pull plenty of not uh, you know, knowledge and wisdom from a memoir, but I love the idea of just something a little bit more uh, meaty in terms of how to or, and and understanding of the whole thing because this conversation has been so fascinating. Like I have never I've never had a conversation like this with a Christian wish before. And I feel like I've learned so much. And it's just like the coolest, most interesting thing. And one of the things that I was raised Christian as well. And one of the things that I really wrestled with when I was like going through, you know, realizing I was a psychic medium and and like really getting into this, I swung really hard at one point the other way. So I was like total atheist. I was like, I don't believe in anything. I think this is it. And then I sort of started to realize that based on what I was experiencing, that actually that made no sense, you know, that there had to be something bigger than just living on this giant rock as a human being. Like, I don't know. I just was like, this actually doesn't drive at all with what I'm truly experiencing in life. So then I, you know, I found my little middle ground between those things. And yeah, I just think this perspective is such an important one to, to have and to share. Yeah. Super appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, I was just gonna say, like, sometimes I do wonder, I'm like, is the Christian part, like, really where I need to be something, you know, because sometimes I'm like, am I just sticking to the Christian for the sake of like, this brand, or like, I've had thoughts like this. And it's like, no, I really, truly do. Um, Like, if I had wanted to be Wiccan or any other religion, I would have been. But God, I don't know, me and God are just tight. So that's why it's like, when people say what, you know, they ask me all the time, well, why do you work with God? You're not you're not like in Israel you're not Jewish so why are you working with this Who's obviously an ancestral god of like Jewish people and I'm like I don't know how to explain this to you why do you work with Loki why do you work with Aphrodite why do you work with any of these gods I don't know he picked me up and said this one mine and now this is where (laughs) this is what I'm doing like I don't like why why do you have family members why did you choose your family in the spirit realm or something like I I don't know so it's it's a very weird thing but like I feel like you got to go where it's true. And this is another thing. I'll never tell people you have to be Christian. I'll never tell people you have to worship this one God. Because honestly, not every person is meant to rock with God. There are a lot of people where God himself has been like, why are you here? You're not mine. Like, go, you're supposed to be over there. Um, And I actually learned recently that like, yeah, if you in a past life had dedicated yourself to certain gods, they will follow you. They will stay with you. So sometimes God's like, why are you in my house? This is the wrong house. Like, but Christianity will tell you you only it's only God. Everyone has to follow God. And it's like no, not all the time. Not all the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I didn't know that. That is a really interesting that's a really interesting fact. Yeah, I I agree. I think your perspective is so refreshing because yeah, one of the things that we sort of learn in Christianity or learn about Christianity if you're outside of the faith is that this one God and all Christians like want every, and it is true. Some Christians do want every single person to worship yeah. God. Um, But I, I just love such a great fresh perspective for people to hear. And I think it just helps soften. I don't know. That's the word that's coming to me. It just helps soften things a little bit, which I, I really appreciate. So what are some things, this is my last question. And thank you so, so much for being here. I have had the greatest time chatting with you. What are, what's something that somebody who's listening right now can do in their daily, weekly, monthly life to open their door a little bit more to their intuition or whatever maybe God that they're meant to be working with?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I would start small. Uh, a lot of people think that you have to jump right into like finding a God. Oh, I need a God. No. Sometimes it's like literally go outside, find the nearest tree talk to that tree for a hot minute. Like that tree is alive. Uh, I have a pine tree in front of my house that I throw kitchen scraps to in exchange for like protecting the house a little bit. I'm just like, pine tree buddy, do your thing. Um, So, you know, you can just talk to like the spirits that are outside. You can, maybe if you are still of a Christian bend, you can try to contact an angel, uh, which they are kind of intense. So that's a lot, but your guardian generally tends to be a little bit easier than any of the other ones. um, You could even contact a saint if you wanted. Saints are quite literally meant in Catholicism to be that kind of intermediary. Jesus is an intermediary. Um, You could do that first because a lot of people are uncomfortable going right to God. If you're looking for a different kind of God, I would suggest researching your ancestry. Uh, For me as a Slavic person, I actually find that the Slavic gods feel incredibly familiar. It's like the difference between being in my house with God And then going to my parents' house, which I grew up in, but is no longer my house. So that's what the Slavic gods feel like to me. Uh, If you have a certain ancestry, maybe start researching it and see what gods they worshipped and which ones really call to you when you read about them, which ones make sense to you. Um, But otherwise, I would also just kind of, I guess, meditate on your own too. Get to know yourself really well before you start playing with other entities and separate consciousnesses. And, uh, you know, get to know your own area. Again, the spirits of the land and things like that.
0: Beautiful advice. Oh, can you tell people where they can find you, where they can buy your books if they're interested? Yeah. So, um, everything, pretty much everything is on my website.
1: So like Sarahstrayson.com. there's all my services, all of my work, including like my books and like short stories I've published or anything like that. Um, my shop is full of stuff. I have my blog and all of my social links. So I'm most active on TikTok, but I'm also on YouTube. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm pretty much everywhere. So, but if you just go to my website, you find literally everything right there. Awesome. And I'll
0: link that all in the show notes for everybody to be able to click all nice and easy and find you again. Sarah, thank you so, so much for being here. It's been such a great chat with you. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you again for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, follow along on Instagram at Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.